Have you ever wondered why anyone drinks Malort? Or if there are actually lobsters in the Chicago River? Then listen to the Curious City podcast, where we answer all your questions about Chicago and the region. WBEZ's Curious City is part of the NPR network and available wherever you find your podcasts. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset, your source for what's new in Chicago and across the world. TV shows tend to exaggerate the present, but life is imitating art this week. And by art, we mean Grey's Anatomy. I don't get it. I mean, Weber talks about this thing like it's a magic eight ball. It's a heart in a box. That heart in a box scenario sounds like dramatic TV writing, but became a reality for surgeons at Northwestern Medicine's Bloom Cardiovascular Institute. Their team performed the state's first transplant of a heart donated after circulatory death. Don't worry, we'll explain that in just a moment. The new heart in a box procedure could save countless lives. Here to explain is Dr. Jane Wilcox. She leads heart failure treatment and recovery at Northwestern Medicine Bloom Cardiovascular Institute. Dr. Wilcox, this is the first heart transplant of this kind to happen in Illinois. How is it different from the norm, though? That's correct. So traditionally, heart transplants um, that we've been doing uh, for the last, you know, 30, uh, 40 years come from organ donors who've been declared brain dead following usually a catastrophic event like traumatic brain injury or a drug overdose, but their hearts, their lungs, their livers, their other organs um, remains beating, usually with mechanical assistance. With um, donation after circulatory death, a donor experiences similar events, um, but no, with really no chance of recovery, but they don't meet strict criteria for brain death. Um, there's a lot of strict criteria. So instead, the death is declared when their heart and their lungs shut down either naturally or because we withdraw life-sustaining care. And we only have about 30 minutes to then procure the heart. But because the heart is, you know, it's stopped beating, um, we need to ensure that the heart will, you know, beat again if we put it in a donor. Yeah. And so this organ um, care system or heart in a box allows us to, um, you know, reanimate the heart stimulate um, the heart to, to start beating again, mm-hmm. and it simulates the environment uh, inside the body. So it's warm, it's perfused with, you know, bright red oxygenated blood that's from the donor, mm-hmm. and it allows us to, um, you know, extend, it extends our period of time that we can get to our uh, recipient, and that's, that's what we did for Mr. Dorsey about two weeks ago. Interesting. So this heart in a box, I'm still trying to imagine what it looks like. Is it on a pillow? Is it maybe suspended in some kind of liquid? So it's suspended. It's, it's, it's attached to sort of tubes that go into the arteries, uh, but it really looks like a, a Tupperware container, uh, a fancy Tupperware container. Wow. But it's, cl- it's clear. Um, there's a non-sterile membrane that you can actually put your hand against and feel the heart beating. Um, which, as you can imagine, is a really surreal uh, feeling. Um, but it's it's a heart in a clear box, and it's actively beating, and it's sort of resting on um, a support device. Wow. Had you seen that Grey's Anatomy episode, by the way? <laughs> I was 
listening to that before we uh, before we got on. I have not seen that particular episode, but Very I, I am historically a Grey's Anatomy fan. <laughs> so the the patient, how is he doing now? Any complications? No, he's doing great. He's doing fantastic, and he I don't think would have been transplanted, um, you know, this this quickly with traditional methods. So he's really grateful to be sort of the first in Illinois. Um, and he's doing fantastic. He's actually going home this week. Wow, that's incredible. And I think still, Dr. Wilcox, a lot of us are trying to wrap our minds around this seeming miracle, right? How do doctors determine if a heart is eligible to donate? There's so it's a very resource intensive field. We um, number one have to make sure that the blood type matches. There are other things like size and um, um, considerations as well as something called antibodies. So making sure that all of those things match up and then we go uh, procure the heart and have to make sure that the function that we saw from non-invasive testing, you know, um, something called echocardiograms, ultrasounds, x-rays, things like that, that that all matches up when we get to the location of the donor. Mm-hmm. And at that point, we make the decision to go ahead procure the organ, and then the clock is really ticking. Yeah. So the, the heart traditionally goes on ice, and the stopwatch starts, and we have usually less than four hours to get that heart back to the hospital, back inside, um, and pumping into the recipient. So a lot of wow. logistics okay. can come up. <laughs> so four hours to move the heart from one person's body to this device. Or at oh, least to, sorry, the, to the other four hours traditionally to the to the recipient to the recipient with the with the heart in a box that extends up to nine hours or so it, it's about double the time of a traditional um, transplant and so that really allows us to go further distances um, manage logistical issues like in Chicago snowstorms traffic mm-hmm. fog things like that that come up when we are flying uh, to to you know distant locations to get. Um, uh, our, our hearts. And just to be clear, doctor, when we talk about circulatory death, we're talking about when the heart stops beating. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. So a patient has suffered traumatic brain, irreversible brain injury, but is not uh, sort of meets the strict, strict criteria for brain death. And so life support is withdrawn. The heart stops. The patient is declared dead. And at that point, um, we can procure the heart. And this comes up a fair amount where families um, want to honor their loved one's wishes, but they haven't met strict criteria for brain death. Mm-hmm. You talked a moment ago about how this heart in a box really expands the lifespan of that heart outside of a body. Explain why that is so important. It's incredibly important because we're, we're on the clock. As soon as that heart uh, goes into a cooler traditionally or the heart is no longer beating, it, uh, it starts to undergo irreversible tissue damage. And so by creating an environment that simulates the body, we can extend that period of time up to nine, 10 hours so that we can, you know, get back to where, you know, Northwestern medicine and it allows, you know, just it allows 
so much more time to deal with these logistics that come up during transplant, Mm -hmm. like the snowstorm, like the fog, like the, you know, patient making sure that they're at the hospital, they're ready to go. All of those things give us a little bit of a buffer and allow us potentially to increase the ability to do, um, you know, our transplants across the U.S. by about 30%. Yeah. So these hearts are traveling all across the country. Correct. Correct. And we have a huge supply-demand mismatch problem in the United States when we when it comes to heart transplantation. We have you know over seven thousand people who are are listed for heart transplant at any given time, and only thirty five hundred hearts are uh, thirty five hundred patients receive a heart transplant. Right. And so with this organ um, ex vivo perfusion system, it really expands the donor pool, and it allows you know, for more patients potentially yeah. to get a life-saving transplant. And I, I imagine, Dr. Wilcox, you've been doing this this work for, for some time. Did you ever imagine that we'd get here? You know, yes and no. I, I went into to transplant medicine, to heart failure and recovery because uh, there was so much hope and so much technology. Did I think it would come this quickly? Uh, probably not. But it's really, really nice to be here yeah. <laughs> and uh, and celebrate this win. And it was first used, the technology on a heart, back in 2020 in this country. How come it's just now happening in Illinois? Good question. So there have been, there was a clinical trial that we had to sort of prove that this, uh, this device, this heart in a box, uh, you know, was not inferior to our traditional methods of transplantation. As physicians, we take a first do no harm oath. And after we saw the data and saw that, you know, this actually does uh, improve the longevity of the donated heart um, and allows us to travel further distances and outcomes are similar, I think this technology will definitely expand to other um, transplant centers across the country. I understand the tech around heart in a box that it's been used for other organs besides hearts by this point. Yes, yes. It has been used in livers and kidneys as well. Um, it hasn't, you know, heart transplantation is often the last uh, to adopt a new technology because kidney failure leads to dialysis. Mm-hmm. Heart failure leads to death. And so we really, really have to be sure that when we are dealing with something related to a heart, that we get it right 100% of the time because the, the downside or the risk of things not working out is not, you know, dialysis, organ failure, it's, it's death. Has the success rate been, been good when it comes to livers and, and kidneys in a box? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we are now, we are now adopting this technology. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really just a really exciting time. How many people do you think are waiting on organs today, doctor? So you can look at the United Network Organ Sharing website and see, you know, the number of patients who are waiting for a liver transplant, for kidney transplant, for heart transplant. You can see the patients who have received a heart transplant or who are waiting. And that number is about 3,500 who are being added to the list every year for heart transplant in addition to the 3,500 who received a heart transplant. So in flux, that adds up to about 7,000 patients who need what we call advanced therapies, advanced uh, uh, heart transplantation per year. And when we think about also the number of um, patients who are are eventually going to need a heart transplant, that number has gone up by 10 to 20% each year. So the demand is rising. And so this technology, we need, we need 
big game changing events like this to keep up with the uh, the demand. Mm-hmm. It's also striking me that an estimated seventy percent of donor hearts go unused each year. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So it, it's not because we're not trying; it's because we, you know, you you get an offer of a, a donor, and it's just too far. That uh, we, we that four hour window is too long. You have someone who is listed for transplant, their blood type, their antibodies, their size, all of those things have to sort of match up. And so if they don't match up and you don't have the luxury of time, unfortunately, those traditionally, those donor hearts would go unused. With this OCS heart in a box, my hope is, is that we can actually use about 30% more of those hearts simply because we we have better logistics and we have the ability to go long go further distances and plan for those um, those patients fascinating stuff dr. Jane Wilcox leads heart failure treatment and recovery at Northwestern Medicine Bloom cardiovascular Institute thank you for joining us thanks so much much Sasha have a great day This episode of Reset was produced by Brenda Ruiz and it was edited by Ethan Schwab. Want more fascinating stories like this? Then subscribe to our podcast. There's plenty more episodes just like this one for you to listen to. And when you subscribe, leave us a rating because that helps more listeners find us and it supports the work that we do. That's it for Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We'll talk to you tomorrow. from the news? Well, my friend, Nerdette Podcast is here for you. Our show is all about delight. We laugh about what's happening in pop culture and feature thoughtful interviews with fascinating people. We even have a monthly book club that you can participate in. I could just go on and on about it. I loved this book. It was an experience. I'll tell you that. (laughs) I discovered authors I had never heard of and I'm really happy that I did. Come hang out with us. Listen to Nerdette wherever you get your podcasts.